0: Man, we're going to get right into this series today, and this is it, y'all. This is it. This is the last message in our summer series from Nehemiah. I mean, that's hard to believe, but for me, I'm ready. This is number 11. This is 11 messages we've done, our whole staff and team, on the book of Nehemiah. And it's been so good. Every speaker has brought relevant and consistent uh, points of just stirring our passion and revealing to us the need to rebuild the the cultural walls in our society and rebuild for purpose and rebuild for destiny that repent and rebuild and restore our lives and man we love what God did through Nehemiah and we love what he's doing here at Summit Church and so i want to get right into that if you'll get that if you'll get your uh, text out with me if you got your bible or you're looking at the screen or however you do it we're going to take our text which is nehemiah chapter 12 verse 27 and the wall has been built it's been finished by 52 days by the way 52 days that's miraculous god absolutely was in it you know when nehemiah said the gracious hand of my god was upon me he wasn't kidding it really was. And because the people were ready to work and willing to work, because the people were ready to fight and willing to fight for that purpose in their life, man, it got done. And you know, that's, that's how things do get done. is when we're willing to obey God, we're willing to work, we're willing to fight for what's right. I'm telling you, things get done. So I just really want us to get that in our spirit today. This text is all about the dedication of the wall. And it gives us an example of what they did, which I'm going to use to kind of introduce us into what I, what I would call the divine response, or excuse me, the human response to the divine touch. Because I believe that there's a specific response that humans have when God really touches their life. And today I want to talk to you about that. And I'm going to do it by way of kind of explaining who we are, who Summit Church is, And what summit church does and what all of our roles should be in pushing that forward or leading that forward or owning who god created us to be so that we can accomplish what he wants us to accomplish i love this passage of scripture because i love praise and worship and let's read what it says everybody together nehemiah chapter 12 verse 27 new international version everyone read and at the dedication of the wall of jerusalem they sought the levites out of all their places to bring them to Jerusalem, to keep the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgivings and with singing, with cymbals, psalteries, and harps. So basically, they got the band together. They called everybody in from out of town. They said, let's all gather in the city. We're going to dedicate these walls. And they did what Israelites so often do. They just started dancing and praising and worshiping God as they dedicated these walls to Him. Man, what a moment. I wish we could have been there. It's an amazing moment. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We ask you that it'll get deep in our spirit, deep in our heart. In Jesus' name, God, help us. Help us to become everything you want us to become. Help us to worship you with our lives. And Lord, help us to know that you have dedicated us for kingdom purpose. And you've dedicated our lives as we've surrendered to you to do your will. And so, Father, as a result of that, we give you praise today. We give you praise, Lord. We During our worship, we praised you with the drums. We praised you with the, 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 the instruments. We praised you with the cymbals. We praised you with our voices, God. And, Lord, help us, Heavenly Father, to take our whole lives and make it worship to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I was reading something the other day. It was a meme on some site or some email or something, and And uh, I always get, I'm always late to the party on all these jokes. Janae always knows them before I do. And so I get all excited because I'll see something funny and then I'll start telling her and she'll look at me like, Where you been, man? But I just saw one that was really funny. And it was way back when you couldn't even go to a restaurant or a grocery store without them giving you that contactless temperature check. So you, you probably uh, know this joke, but I just thought it was so funny, I'm going to tell it anyway. It said, be careful when you go to the grocery store and they check your temperature with that contactless temperature gauge or whatever, because they're not taking your temperature, they're erasing your memory. Because I went in to get a whole bunch of vegetables for my salad and I came out with a dozen donuts because I forgot what I went in to get. See, it wasn't funny. I'm late to the party, y'all. I always am. You know, God has really been dealing with me about what our church is, who we are, what we do. You know, in in business terms, a lot of business leaders will talk about two questions that are very important to them. Who do we want to be? Who do we want people to think we are? And who do they actually think we are? You know, what do we want to be known for? And what do we think that people actually think we are known for? What are we known for? And I would hope that what we want to be known for is what we're actually known for. Because when we live our lives in a way that what we preach is actually confirmed by how we live, then not only do we know what we Uh, want to be known for, but we also are known for that simply because our lives reflect what we say we believe. And it's very important for believers to do this. And as I've been praying and seeking God's face, you know, the last several months, but then even especially in this 21 days of fasting and prayer, my heart has really been tugged on by God with this scripture at Acts chapter 16, verse 5. And here's what it says. It's talking about the New Testament church that how they really were moved by the Holy Spirit, you know, the apostle Peter, who was the one who denied Christ, he was so afraid. And then he gets filled with the Holy Spirit and he's preaching to thousands, declaring the works of the Lord and thousands of people are getting saved and it's all out in public. And he's not afraid at all because God's power transformed him. And we're seeing that this church went from that to prayer meetings, to going to the temple to talk about the word, meeting house to house in small groups like we do and just connecting and everything was about God. Everything was about the Bible. Everything was about the kingdom of God, building the church. You know, Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus said, "Uh, uh, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, that's why we need to have hope, ladies and gentlemen. That's why we need to have hope, because it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter what century we live in. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. Jesus said... Uh, upon this rock, the, the, the revelation that he is the Messiah, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We don't lose in this scenario. Don't be defeated. Don't be discouraged. Don't be downtrodden. Listen, you win. If you're a believer and you're following Christ, you win. Let the hope rise in your heart. You win. And, and, and here they were at the dedication of this temple, and that's what they were doing. We won. We got this done. We built. We we fought. We We were ready. We were prepared to do whatever was necessary. We faced the opposition. We faced the trial. We faced the hardships, and we got through it. And now we're going to praise God for giving us the power to do it. And that's really where I feel like We need to be centering our thinking. And as I read Acts chapter 16, verse 5, as the New Testament church was persecuted and they went from community to community, they took up their families and they moved so that they could do their jobs and spread the gospel. And so the more they would persecute the church, the more the church would grow and expand. And this scripture was said of them in Acts chapter 16, verse 5, it says, They were strengthened in their faith and they grew larger in number daily. Now, listen. I really believe that God's put this in my spirit for Summit Church right now. You know, I, I believe in the Church Big C. You know, we're doing, we just did I Heart Canyon, and 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 that that is the big church, the Big C Church, coming together to accomplish something, uh, and and we believe in that. But I got to tell you, I'm responsible for what happens here. I'm responsible for what happens for the people who call Summit Church home. That's my spiritual responsibility. And so when I think of this, when I pray, when I seek God, you are who come to my mind. You are the people I'm praying for. You are the people I'm trying to lead. And as God stirs me up with different thoughts and different prophetic utterances and things of that nature, he's saying that as me representing him to you and and, and knowing that my responsibility is you. And so what God is really, I believe, calling us to do is what this scripture says. They were strengthened in their faith and grew larger in number daily. And, and so what does that mean to us? Here's what I think it means. I think that, that we're growing as believers. I, think we, we, I believe God is wanting to compel us to begin to pray more. I believe God's wanting to lead us to study His word. Uh, in in a way that's different than what we've done before. I I believe God wants us to experience His presence like we have never have before. I believe He wants to manifest His fruit in our life, but also His gifts in our life. I believe God wants us to heighten our commitment to Him, that we would literally choose Him over other things. We would choose Him over other people. We would choose Him over other circumstances. We would choose Him over other opportunities. We would choose Him first. Because we know in our life and in our world, there's so many things to choose. The only way to really heighten our commitment is to choose God first. We know the scripture, Matthew six thirty three: seek first the kingdom of God. We know that when God, uh, one of the feasts uh, was the, the, the feast where they brought the first fruits before God, the first of their harvest to God. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, bring your first and best to God. He is the priority heightened in our commitment by putting him first. Then I think he wants us to deepen our dedication where we we are we are deeply Christian we are deeply spiritual we are we are getting into the depths we're not just being baby Christians anymore although we're there's always room for for people to be saved and make decisions and new we need new life constantly happening in the church by people being born again and being saved constantly every single week but this goes further than that even but God wants us to deepen our dedication to our spiritual walk deepen our dedication to leading our family into his presence And then the second thing is grow in larger daily, daily, daily. Not this, hey, we're going to weekend church and we hope somebody gets saved. Hey, we're going to weekend church, and maybe there's going to be somebody there this week that needs to rededicate their life or give their life to Jesus for the first time. Man, that's going to be great. I'm going to pray God does that. No, God wants to inspire us to such a degree that we're sharing our faith, that we're leading people by modeling Christ, that we're loving on people, we're having compassion towards people, we're reaching out for people. And as we do so, God opens up doors of opportunity for us to share our faith, to invite them to the presence of God, to invite them to church and they get saved and that changes their life. What, how cool would it be if you were on the aisle of the supermarket and you just prayed with somebody to come to know Jesus right there? Well, how awesome would that be? How awesome would it be that if you were meeting with some neighbor that just came over to eat dinner with you and you were meeting around the coffee table over some coffee, you got into a conversation and God used you to lead them to an eternal decision. I can't even think of anything more exciting or adventurous are more powerful or meaningful than that. I, I think that it could be happening every day, every small group that we have, people being invited into those groups that aren't even in church yet and they're giving their lives to Jesus. He said they were, they were strengthened in their faith and they grew larger in number daily. You know, being strengthened in your faith is also about having faith again. Having your faith renewed. I think we've gone through a season here where our faith has been challenged and some of us have come on the other side and we're wondering where our faith is. We've lost hope. We we, we feel like everything is down. Everything is bad. There's all kinds of these conspiracies coming against us. We need to stand up and say it doesn't matter what people are saying. It doesn't matter the negativity that's going on. It doesn't matter the construction of decency in our culture. What matters is Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. The Bible says all good, good gifts come from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Come on. He wants us to heighten our commitment, deepen our our dedication and, and and increase in number daily. People coming into the kingdom, people coming into the church, people coming into salvation daily. Think about that. So how do we do that? How do we fulfill our role in, in doing that? Well, the first thing we have to do is get personal. You know, it's it's got to get personal to us. It's got to mean something to us. It can no longer just be this, it can no longer just be this uh, church as a kind of a social experiment. Church to us and Christianity and our relationship with God can no longer be kind of like a second thought. Now, I, I, I know that that's not the case for us here at Summit Church. I know that we none of us have probably ever been there. Come on, are you kidding? We've all been there. And we need to understand that that, that that we cannot look at our relationship with God and the things that God loves as some kind of second thing. Like, well, if I if I get done with this, I'll do that. You know, that happened in the Old Testament. They started saying, we'll bring our leftover lambs to God. We'll bring our lambs with eyes that have defects, and we bring our lamb." There was a point where God literally said to the children of Israel, I'm not accepting your sacrifices anymore because you're bringing me you're bringing me uh, uh, hurt and injured animals and broken legs and, and blind eyes. You're giving me the stuff that you don't want. You're giving me the stuff that has no value to you. And, and see, that's where we're at, God. God's God's pulling us as a church, and he's saying, hey, come on, value me. I loved what Pastor Scotty taught last weekend. Value me, reverence me, respect me, love me, and come after me, pursue me. It's got to get personal with us. You know, it's got to be personal to us. God is, is more than just, sometimes we only get personal with God when we're in really a devastated situation. That's when it gets personal with us, when something bad is happening to us. But what if, think about this, think of the hope in this. What if you got personal about your faith in everyday situations, in everyday moments, in, in every conversation with your kids, in every conversation with your spouse, and, and, and you got personal, but this became personal to you? See, that's the thing that makes God so awesome. He's our creator. He is, he is the greatest of all greats. He's the king of all kings. Yet, he wants to be in personal relationship with you. How can we even fathom or comprehend that? So what is our role to the church being strengthened in our faith and growing in number daily? The first thing is personal responsibility. We got to realize it's our responsibility. God did not give us the great commission in Matthew chapter 28 and say go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them to do all that I've done and shown you what to do. He didn't tell us that so we would have sermons on it so that we would have discussions about it. He told us that so we would do it. He told us that so we would do it. He told us the story, the parable of the who is my neighbor. He told us the st- story of the good Samaritan because he wanted to show us what our responsibility to others is and to his kingdom. First, we have to take personal responsibility. We've got to get personal up in here. And then second, we have to have build personal relationships. Get to know your neighbors. Don't just wave at them. Get to know them. I had some new neighbors move in just recently, and I went over and met with them, talked to them. Great people. Can't wait to have more relationship with them and connect them uh, to to, to my family. And it's it's just get to know your neighbors. Go to the same gym every week so that you can personally get to know the people who work out there and work there. Go to the same grocery store every week. Instead of just saying, well, I need this option and that option. I just want to do this. I want to do that. No, get serious and intentional about building personal relationships. You know, you got somebody in your family that you're not really close to, but you want them to be saved. Go start building a personal relationship with them so they will be saved. Come on. The third thing is you got to get personal. you got to tell your personal story. <laughs> I think sometimes we're so afraid to share our faith because we think for some reason that we have to be a theologian. We have to be a seminarian in order for us to be able to communicate the gospel. But, you know, the gospel is very simple. I'm not saying it's simplistic. I'm just saying it's simple. And here's how simple it is. It's this simple. This is what I was before Jesus... This is what I am after Jesus. I'm not perfect, but he has changed my life. He has freed me from sin and guilt and shame and death and hell. He can get involved in your life and make things different for you. He's a powerful God. This is my story. I'm telling it to you. I used to have a friend that he would say this. Man, if you learned it this morning, you can teach it this afternoon. It's really that simple. We don't have to be perfect at this. We don't have to... Look at the woman at the well, John chapter 4. She met Jesus for a few moments, but became a missionary immediately. She said, you got to come and see this guy. Your story could just be that simple. You've got to come and see. You've got to find out who Jesus is. I don't even know how to explain it to you. I don't know how to make it real to you. But I can tell you this. When I met him, it changed things. Come on. Personal responsibility, personal relationship, personal story. And then the last thing is personal invitation. You know, people aren't going to come to you and say, I like that story. Would you lead me how to pray? Would you teach me? I mean, that may happen, but most likely you're going to have to invite them to pray with you so you could lead them to a relationship with the Lord. You you know, sometimes we think, well, I don't want to be overbearing and I don't want to shove my relationship with God down someone's throat or I, I don't want people to think I'm weird and so we don't invite them we don't make that personal invitation to pray or that personal invitation to come to church or that personal invitation to come to small group but I have to tell you it's kind of interesting to me if you have a friend you've built a personal relationship with and they know you're saved or they know you're a Christian or they know you go to church they're probably not thinking I hope they don't invite me they're probably wondering why you're not inviting them Because have you ever been invited to something? It's always special to be invited. I love to be invited to places because it makes, here's what it says. It says to me, these people like me and they want me in their circle. And you know what? There's nothing about an invitation that's negative. I think one of the reasons we don't make the invitation because we're afraid to be rejected. It's okay if you're rejected. Jesus was rejected. How many times was Jesus rejected? Jesus was ultimately rejected by his own people. We need to get over these excuses. We need to get over these feelings, these emotions, and just get personal. Take the personal responsibility. Build a personal relationship. Tell your personal story. And then make a personal invitation. Come with me. And it's not necessarily in that order. Sometimes you might run into somebody and you think, Man, I really think they would love our church. I'm going to bring them to church. Come to church with me and make the invitation. It always ends well. When I think of all of this and I think of what the children of Israel did and what Nehemiah led them to do as they built the wall and they celebrated and praised the Lord, it made me think of what, what are we trying to do. It made me think, who is Summit Church? How do we want to be known? What do we want to be known for? And how do we think people know us? Like what do they know us for? If we were to talk to somebody outside of Summit Church that's never been here, what would they say if we said, what do you think Summit Church is about? What would they say? What do you think about it? What do we think about it? And as I begin to think about the purpose of that and the intention of that, I thought, man, we need to talk about this. Because what I want to share with you in just a moment is exactly how we should respond when God touches our lives. And in order for me to under, help you understand what that means for us, I need to kind of clearly define to you who we are and what we do. You know, Summit Church is a special place. And, I, and I'm not even, I'm not, of course I'm, <laughs> of course I'm prejudiced about it. I love this place. Of course, I'm I'm a person who is biased because I pastor this house, but I've got to be honest with you. One of the greatest characteristics of this church is the people. Matter of fact, it is the greatest characteristic of this church. I, I don't think I've ever been anywhere that's more accepting and loving and caring for people. I mean the moment. Do you know the, the number one comment we get from people who are new here and end up planting their feet here and end up staying in the church. Do you know what the number one comment is? The number one comment is, I felt like I was home as soon as I walked through the door because people were so engaging and so accepting of me. Listen, that is a huge deal. It's an amazing thing for us to be. Summit Church is a loving place. It's a passionate place. It's an accepting place. It's, it's a compassionate place. But there's so much more to us than just that. And honestly, church, just speaking to church right now, the people who call Summit Church home, the people who are a part of this house, maybe you're new today. You could close your ears for a minute. I just need to talk to these people who, who are a part of Summit Church. Listen, there's more to us than that. And if we just stop at Friendly Church, then we don't make it to the place of that's a place where I could have lifelong friends. I could be a part of a family. I belong there. You know, one of the things you'll see in our branding and our marketing around is there's a place for you. You know, we're not trying to tell everybody how great we are. We're trying to tell everybody, look, we love you and you can come here and there's a place for your gifts, there's a place for your talents, there's a place for God's purpose on your life. You belong here. Everyone wants to belong. Everyone needs to belong. And that's what Summit Church is. But we have to do more. We have to be more than that. So who are we? Well, you know what our vision is, but I want to declare it to you again. Our vision is to lead people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And just quickly, I want to tell you, leading people to know God, it's not good enough to know about God. We want people to have a relationship with Jesus. There's people in Matthew chapter seven, it says that there's going to be people that stand before God and they think they're going into heaven. They're going to stand before God. And maybe they were just a cultural Christian or maybe they were just a social Christian, but they weren't born again because they stand before God and they say, didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we do that? And Jesus says, I'm sorry, you have to depart from me. We're not in relationship. We're not in relationship. Listen, we don't want people just to know about God and be religious about God. We want people to know him, have a relationship with him. We want to disciple people into that relationship and then walk with them to spiritual maturity. We want people to know God, find freedom. Man, there's so many things trying to hold people down in the culture that we live in, in the world we live in. So many temptations, so many bondages, so many. But we know that God can set them free in the context of being around believing people and praying people. God can set them free from bondages and set them free from addictions and set them free from temptations in Jesus' name. Come on, we lead people to know God, find freedom and discover purpose. We believe that every person was created with purpose. We believe God has put giftings and purpose on the inside of you and we want to help you discover it. Not so that you can know what your gifts are only because it's not about you knowing your purpose or what you want your purpose to be. It's about you knowing God's purpose for you and we want to help you find that because there's no more fulfilled place there's no more uh, eternally secure place than to be in that place of knowing God's purpose and actually living it out and then making a difference we want to lead people to use their knowledge of God their relationship with God and the freedom that God gives them and the purpose that God's put on their life to make a difference in the lives of others to build the kingdom and to build the church amen this is what's so important and we have some values here at Summit Church, and I'm not going to try to go into all of them. And we have more values than probably what we should. I'm going to be honest. Most, most people in organizational leadership will tell you, you know, three to five is plenty. We have ten, but I can't eliminate any of them. I've tried to eliminate them, but this is who we really are. And our first five are what we started with several years ago, and we have recently, in the last two years, kind of added a few. The first is family. We're inspiring hope for family uh, in today's culture. We believe that families have purpose and potential in God, and we believe God wants to bring it out of them. We're not giving up on family. We're not. We're not about the deconstruction of family. And it doesn't matter what your family looks like, whether it's blended, whether it's this, whether it's that. We believe God wants to put hope and He wants to put purpose in families. That's the establishment, the foundation of of society and he wants to literally infuse our families with his gospel. Can I can I just tell you something? I'm gonna talk about this in our series coming up called My House. But but I have discovered something in, in, in this in the study of that, and the research of that. Did you know that the church is not the mechanism through which God wants to get the gospel? Down through the generations. That's not the church's responsibility. That's not what the church is built for. And you might say, hold on. that—that That is the church's role. No, 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 no. Let me tell you whose role that is. That's the family's role. The Bible says that the family was instituted at the very beginning of time. And what did they do generationally? What did they always say in the Old Testament? "I, You're the God of... Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, generational. And when they would talk about, in the Old Testament, they would talk about teaching your kids the scripture. They weren't talking to priests. They weren't talking to occupational ministry leaders. They were talking to moms and dads. Put your kids through a a spiritual education. Let them know the Word. Teach them the Word. Put it in front of them at all times. Come on. The home, the family is the institute through which the gospel and the Word of God should be generally and generationally uh, moved forward. The church is the place that the family comes to build community and build strength and be equipped to continue to lead generationally in their home and in their, uh, uh, in their community. It isn't that amazing? Think about that. And think about how things have gotten twisted. It's not the youth pastor's job to raise your kids spiritually. It's your job to raise them spiritually and the youth pastor come alongside to support and encourage and teach and train and equip your kid to be able to be the kind of Christian God wants them to be. But it starts with us. It starts with the parents. It starts in the home. We believe in family message. We believe every member's a messenger. Just finish talking about that. We believe in legacy. We unapologetically reach for the young generation. We believe in outreach. We believe we can do something. We may not be able to do everything, but we can do something. And we're not going to allow what we can't do to interfere with what we can do. We will do it. The community is another value. Leading in the community with no strings attached. We want the community to know we're not doing anything with you just to advance ourselves or to get something for ourselves. We're here. We want to be a part. We take from the community. We want to give to the community in Jesus' name. We believe in team as one of our values. We are better together. Listen, it's just the truth. It's a biblical mindset. It's a biblical mandate. Another value we have is reaching reaching and that does that may sound weird. a verb as a value at reaching. We, but here's what we believe. We believe that as believers, it's our, Role to reach for spiritual responsibility. We believe it's our role to reach for big vision. It's our role to reach inside the body of this house through small groups or through relationships or through serving together, connecting with one another, reaching out to the person who sits on the same role with us. It's a young couple with an older couple, an older couple with a younger couple, uh, you, you, you know... Not just saying, hey, I can make it on my own. I really don't need the church. That is the biggest lie. Satan has destroyed lives with that lie. We need each other, and we are better together. The next one is generous. Man, we believe in generosity, and we want to be generous with our time. We want to be generous with our talent. We want to be generous with our treasure. Look, we would, if we're going to err, we would rather err on the side of generosity. And then, and then intentionality, we want to be intentional is a value of ours. We live on purpose, for God's purpose, helping people find his purpose for their life. We're not doing anything by accident. We're not saying, well, I don't know why we do that. No, we, if we don't know why we do something, we stop doing it. Because we ain't wasting any money, we ain't wasting any time, we're not wasting any kind of resources we have on things we don't even know why we're doing them. We want to be intentional, because it takes intentionality to change the world. And then the last thing, the last value is positive. We have a positive attitude. Now, I'm not just talking about some kind of, you know, name it and claim it. I'm not just talking about some kind of, uh, you know, self-help where you talk good and say good platitudes. No, I'm talking about a deep, deep conviction that, there, that we have hope a deep conviction that we're not always looking at the bad we're looking at the good a deep conviction that sees opportunities and we don't say there's an obstacle we see an opportunity we we look at impossibilities and we say that's not impossible because with god all things are possible we we don't look at the world and say oh my god what's going to happen jesus take us out of here Well, i'm looking for jesus to come and i can't wait for him to come but until he does i'm going to occupy his role and i'm going to do what he said i should do and i'm going to build the kingdom and I'm not going to sit here without hope and be defeated all of the time the bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for don't let people to tell you not to get your hopes up get your hopes up get them as high as possible because that's what your faith latches a hold of and that's how you own what God wants for you and what God wants you to do come on we don't we're not in doubt we're not in fear we're not defeated come on we serve the king of kings the lord of lords he fights our battles for us. how can you be defeated if God's fighting your battle for you come on what are you talking about you're defeated what are you talking about you can't get by what are you talking about you're never gonna make it you serve a God who will fight your battles for you if you just trust him David said to the giant the battle belongs to the Lord he didn't even take credit for the battle himself come on somebody you need to understand how can you be defeated if God is fighting for you these are the ministry initiatives that we do we locally we have weekend worship experiences We have these weekend worship experiences, School of the Bible that happens before service where you can go to a class and learn more in detail and more depth about the Word of God. We have worship experiences. I love our worship experiences where we all come together and we sing the praises of God and we love each other and we hear the Word and we're inspired by the Word and we learn and get inspired to go learn more about the Word. And we have kids ministry. What a great... We have such a great kids ministry team and they love kids. They don't, they're not just back there taking care of kids or filling up a space. They're back there because they believe in building a spiritual foundation under our children. And that's what they do in every class. They're not just babysitting. I'm telling you, they're speaking life and speaking the word and teaching the word and teaching praise to our kids. It's an amazing thing. These are things we do on the week. Small groups are other things we do locally, including men's and women's and marriage and special interest and stewardship and young adults. Small groups that every single... My prayer, I've been praying this this week. My prayer... Is that 110% of the people of Summit Church will be in a small group. And you say 110, how do you do that? Because I believe there will come a day when there will be more people in small groups than have made it to the church service. That they are going to be people that get saved in a small group before they even get to church. Come on. that we just creating more doors for people to come through. Summit students ministries lift our fifth and sixth grade rise our j high elevate our, our 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 high school listen you may not even know this but wednesday nights this place is filled with young people come on summit kids jump junior and jump ministries men's ministries women's ministries the family conference is coming up these are all local ministries that we do talked about who we are now we're talking about what we do because I need you to know this listen we have outreaches that we do every year and some that are added during the year that aren't major outreaches but that are done through small groups or done through different people we have people in our church that do prison ministry they come to church here this is their church but they do prison ministry every week We have people that do ministry to assisted living facilities every week. They're not one of our major deals, but we have people doing that in our church. Everybody doesn't do it, but they have a gift and a calling to do it. They're doing it. Isn't that powerful? What's the gift and calling on you? We have the epic Easter event, which is an opportunity to be out in the community. And we provide this big Easter egg hunt and inflatables and food and it's just so much fun and it's an opportunity to talk to people about jesus and invite them to church we have iheart canyon that we just experienced we have a foster family christmas oh the Bible says that it's a mandate in James chapter 1 that we take care of the widow and the orphan and America's orphans are our foster children. They need so much help and they need so much care. And so every year we give a we do a foster family Christmas. We don't want to just support the kids only, but the whole family because they they've committed to do something that needs to be done we have adopt a teacher where we take on teachers it'll be coming around soon where we we want to be an encouragement to teachers we're committing to pray for them and buy them a little gift every month and just send it to them and say hey look we love you we encourage you we want to know we want you to know we're praying for you We have a program for schools that we do called The Power of We. We've done it with the high school football team. It's based on spiritual and Christian principles. And I'm telling you right now, we preach Jesus when we go in there. We're already being invited to do that on a younger level with some younger kids in schools. It's It's an amazing thing. We support things like Hope Choice. We support Amarillo Angels. We support, support Arrow Child and Family Ministries. We, we support Unleashing Possibilities, which is a ministry to at-risk young women who, who have found themselves in the position of having a child by themselves, and, and it helps them get to college. It helps them get into the workforce. It's an amazing thing. So they're not left to figure it out on their own. But somebody comes alongside and helps. Nationally, we're a part of an organization that plants churches. It's called the Association of Related Churches. A lot of my friends and and, 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 and people that I love are involved in that. Exalt Church is a church that we support in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I sit on their executive board and, and, and have been a part of it since the very establishment of it. And it's going well. And, man, they had some struggles going through COVID. But they have made it through on the other side. And God is blessing them. And we support them. Globally, we, we support Watoto Church. We, we support a Jewish ministry called First Fruits of Zion that is in Israel. We support global trips to Cambodia and Uganda and Costa Rica. We don't just support them. We go on them. We have teams that go. And I can't wait for us to be able to take that step and put some teams together next year in Jesus' name. We support hope centers in Cambodia that are for orphans and, and schools uh, that will help educate so that they'll get out of the poverty cycle. We support feeding programs and rescue homes of kids who were human trafficked, stolen from their families and put in sex trade and work trade. But we, have, we are a part of an organization that pulls them out of that, rescues them out of that, and gives them a home and an education and medical care. We, we want to continue to be a part of these kinds of things. This is who we are. This is who we are, Summit Church, and this is what we do, which requires that we respond to what God has done in our life in the only way we can. Like they did with Nehemiah. He built the walls. He called everybody in. He got the trumpets, he got he got the, 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 the guitars, he got the drums, he got the cymbals, he got the band together, the singers. And they begin to worship God. They begin to cry out to God. They begin to hallelujah and praise the Lord. And they begin to give it all that they had with all of their heart to tell God how great he was. But you see, there's more to it than just a song. There's more to it than just playing an instrument. There's more to it than just lifting up our voice to God. Worship is so much more than that. Worship is what happened to the little woman who was Simon Peter's mother-in-law. The Bible says in Mark chapter 1, verse 29 through 31, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. Isn't, Isn't it awesome how Jesus treats us? He walks into this home. He's got people following him. He's tired. They came there to rest and to eat. People are clamoring at the door and they come to him and they say, Peter's mom is sick. And Jesus didn't hesitate. He he didn't even wait. He didn't even even go, oh, I'm tired. He didn't do any of that. He just went right straight. to. Can I tell you today that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter the struggle, the pain, the suffering that you may be dealing with. As we bring each other to the throne of God and say to Jesus, Jesus, hey, they need your help. He's not hesitant. He wants to help you. He wants to touch your life. He wants to make a difference in your life. Just reach out to Him with your faith. Get your eyes off this world and start hoping again. Hoping in His goodness. Hoping in His love. Having faith that He is who He says He is. And He will do what He said He will do. Jesus wants to make a difference in our lives. Just like He did in Peter's mother-in-law. Without any hesitation. He just went over and got her up. And when He got her up, it left her. He wants to save, he wants to heal, he wants to deliver, he wants to set free, not just you, but your family. And when Jesus touches our lives, it changes things. When Jesus passed by the blind man, he was healed when jesus passed by the leper he felt the touch the intimate touch of a savior who was not afraid to touch his infirmity who was not afraid to touch his sickness but came down and touched him which was unheard of in the culture of their day he reached into his problems he reached into his circumstances he reached into his situation and changed it he changed it when jesus comes around things change the dead girl everybody thought she was dead. Jesus said she's just sleeping because to him she was. Walks in and resurrects her. Lazarus standing at his tomb, everybody's crying. He cries for them but raises him from the dead. Mark, the very person who wrote that text that we just read, he was lost and scared and frightened as a young man but when he came to Jesus, Jesus changed his life. Peter who couldn't even keep from denying Christ just days later was preaching the gospel in a public square. The nine lepers came to Jesus, and they were all healed. Ten of them, ten of them came to Jesus, and they were all healed. But there was one I want to tell you about, and this is how I want to finish the message. The one I want to tell you about is the one who Jesus had healed all ten, and he said, go. He said, go and show yourself to the priest. And they all ran off. And there was one that said, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. He just healed me. He just changed my life. I can be with my family again. I can go back into community. I'm going back. And he went back and he's, he threw himself at the ground at Jesus' feet and just began to thank him. Because, see, when Jesus touches our lives, really touches us, if we're really sincere, there's only one response to worship him. There's only one response to praise his name. But we need to understand that there's a different definition for praise and worship than what we might think. You see, what happened with Peter's mother is what should happen with all of us. Peter's mother was healed. And here's what it says. He he picked her up and the fever left her. And the very next phrase says this. (laughs) It's so funny. It says, she began to serve them. She began to wait on the people of the house. She began to cook a meal. She began to take care of them, show hospitality to them. There, I mean, I mean, come on. There was no rest period. There was no uh, let, let me get myself together. No, as soon as she was healed, when Jesus touched her, her response to him was to worship him by serving him and serving others see worship is more than the songs we sing or the instruments we play worship is more than the words we speak to god worship is a life that says god you touched me what can i do for you god you healed me what can i do for you god you changed my life what can i do for you god you saved me from my sins you 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 saved me you delivered me from death and from hell and from the grave you've given me eternal salvation you are my god my king Now, what can I do for you? Worship is serving Him by serving others. Worship is serving Him by serving His kingdom. Worship is serving Him by serving in the church, in the house, in the community, in your neighborhood, in your family. Come on, when you really want to respond to the grace and goodness and power and preciousness of our Savior, Do what Peter's mother-in-law did. He touched her. She served him. You know, sometimes worship doesn't look like lifting our hands. Sometimes worship looks like sweeping a floor. Sometimes worship doesn't look like playing an instrument or singing a song. It looks like standing out in a parking lot greeting people as they show up to church. W- worship, worship somehow doesn't look just like saying words of affirmation to God. But sometimes it looks like carrying a meal over to somebody who just got out of surgery. Worship doesn't always look like what we think it looks like. Worship is our lives being given for the service of the kingdom. I just told you who we are. And I just told you what we do. And I can imagine, I can imagine that as you think about, I I can imagine I was reading those things. You thought, man, I didn't know we did all that. I didn't know that all was going on here. It is. And you know what we need? We need you to respond. Oh, I'm so thankful for the serve team that we have. I'm so thankful for all of you who give generously. I'm so thankful for all of those who step up in different roles and responsibilities. We are so blessed. And, and I'm not condemning anyone. You may be at a level or whatever where you're just not ready for that. But let me just tell you something. The practical way we worship God for how He's touched our life is we get connected to serving Him. So I'm just saying to you, this fall, this fall is going to be filled with opportunities to serve. This fall is going to be filled with opportunities to do what God has called us as a church to do. And I'm telling you, and I'm saying this prophetically out of my prayer times right now, to you, everyone who calls Summit Church home, this is what God is saying. He's saying this is not a season for observation. This is a season for participation. I hear the Holy Spirit saying, put your hand to the plow and don't look back but singularly focus on God and His purpose for your life and go to work for the kingdom of God. Be like those people who built that wall with a sword in one hand to fight off any enemy that would try to pull them down and a hammer in the other uh, or a tool in the other to make sure that that wall was built and that wall was safe and that wall was solid. Come on, we can rebuild our culture. We can reinstitute foundations for family. We can reinstitute vision for good things and great things. Lord, we don't have to give in to the spirit of this age. We can look at our Father and say, we're following you, whatever you want us to do. And the practical way that that happens is by stepping in to serving in our kids' ministry. Stepping in to serve in our youth ministry so that we don't lose a generation, but we effectively reach a generation. Be a small group leader. Be a person who uses your skills, whatever they might be, in the church. Maybe we need some construction done. Maybe we need some help done. You've got a skill. You've got an ability to serve the kingdom of God. Maybe your neighbor needs help and you just haven't done it yet because it's just not convenient and it's taking up your time. Maybe God's saying to you, come on, worship me by serving them. God does so much for us. And our automa- automatic response to Him is worship through service. What has God done for you? What will you do for Him? Maybe you've had a particularly messed up life in the past. Abusive. Well, would you respond God, as He has taken you out of that and is healing you from that? Would you respond to Him by maybe going on a global trip or funding a project so that boys and girls could be rescued from a life that is like that? I'm just asking all of us today, Pastor David included, God's done so much for us. What will we do? for him. He healed her. She served him. Father, we just thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you because you're better to us than we deserve. We we thank you for blessing us. and Lord, we thank you for doing things in our life that we don't even know are happening. That's the truth. We know that you're doing things we don't even know they're happening. God, we commit right now as a church to grow and be strengthened in our faith and add to our number daily such as should be saved by just responding to your touch in our lives by serving you. In Jesus' name, amen.